You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment, and we have a fun show for you all today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We're on episode 201. On this week's episode, I was joined by PA native Mark Bells. Mark is an avid hunter who loves whitetail and getting out for bear during the season. And Mark had a very quick season this year as far as whitetails are concerned. By quick, I mean tagging out on his buck on the statewide opener back in September. Mark is a good friend of Tom Runscavage, who's a great friend of mine, and I couldn't wait to have Mark on, and it's a great opportunity to speak with him and hear certain perspectives on deer and bear hunting and how important really the mindset is uh, and the role it plays in what we do in the woods. This episode was originally going to be an episode for the Antler Up Report. However, I decided to make this just a regular episode, and we led things off by talking about mindset and how important it is when it comes to hunting. Over the past few seasons, Mark has been pretty successful and he shares what he believes what has led to that success. One key aspect that Mark brings up is exploring and just being in the woods. I couldn't agree more with this and I know it sounds ridiculously simple, but it also means putting in quality time and not just shooting for miles and overall time spent in the woods. Following this, we dive into Mark's buck success story and a few other topics to finish out this episode. Really enjoyed and really appreciate Mark coming on. He sent me that cool clip. Uh, if those of you that follow me on Instagram that I posted a couple weeks ago gained kind of a little bit of traction. Certain people kind of were pissed, upset about it, but hey man, it's the nature of the beast and I thought it was a pretty cool video. Uh, but So if you're out there in the woods this week with the rifle and PA, stay safe. Best of luck to you. Enjoy it. Antler up. Also, before we get into this week's episode, just want to say a couple things. Number one, thanks again for all the support. Number two, if you like what you hear, share with your friends and family. Go leave that five-star review either on iTunes or on Spotify. Just dropped, partnered with Ed over from Our Grounds Coffee Company. Just dropped a limited run bag of the Allegheny Ambush Antler Up Edition coffee. Uh, just message me. Shoot me either an email, a private message on on Facebook Messenger or on Instagram. We'll get you taken care of as far as that goes. Really appreciate it, though, everybody. Thank you for that support. Some really cool things coming up down the pipeline for us, and I'm excited to share that with you all. Again, if you have a guest or someone that you would really like to have on, just hit me up let me know. Again, congrats to everybody out there knocking some deer down, having fun, making more memories with either friends or family, yourself, whatever it be. Just enjoy it. Thanks again, everybody. Antler up. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. 
America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the Antler Up podcast for America's Best Bowstrings. Use code ANTLERUP and you will save $10 off your order. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. Hey everybody, before we get into this week's episode, I want to share some exciting news. The Exodus crew is now launching the Exodus Vault. It's a place to lock in significant savings on their website over at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Exodus Vault will feature some of your favorite products or Exodus gear you haven't considered checking out. Varying from limited run products to last chance savings on customer favorite products, which is one of the Exodus Render, where you could save $95 on one while supplies last because once they're gone, they're gone. I've had nothing but amazing experiences with the Render. I have two of them, and I'll tell you what, phenomenal photos, phenomenal videos at a great data plan price. No glow flash. The Render will provide critical real-time data right now for you that you need. And again, once they're gone, they're gone. It stood the test of time with thousands and thousands of hunters out there. So again, the final opportunity to purchase this render, but you could get also some second chance arrows, or you could also get a memory card holder. And real quick, there is no additional coupons that will be allowed to put on this, but to show your support for the Antler Up podcast, go ahead and put Antler Up in your order notes. That will just show that you heard it from me and it'll help me out with, with those guys as well. So Definitely check out the Exodus Vault because, again, some great savings on some phenomenal gear because once they're gone, it's gone. So check it out over at ExodusOutdoorGear.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode. I'm joined on the other line by PA Native. I got Mark Bells. Mark, appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Dude, This is I'm excited for this one. So really good acquaintance friend between the two of us. We have... Tom runs scavenge and Tom, those of that have been listening to the show know that, uh, should know Tom because he's been on and have done a couple hunts with them and trips and all that type of stuff. And he's a killer. And I'm, I can't wait to have him on to talk about his Colorado hunt. And it's, it's like the heartbreak, uh, I, I'm spoiling it, but it's like the, the heartbreak Colorado trip for him. But I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for that. It's an acquaintance, but man, you're a bulldog. I'm a cougar. Uh, well, it's, I guess you could say that you're a, what man? Well, you're a crusader, but now you work at, now where you work, you're a bulldog. So Northeast PA, uh, the Wyoming Valley West Conference. I don't even know if that's still a thing anymore. Oh yeah, that's still a thing. Wyoming Valley Conference. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I said Wyoming Valley West. It's a friggin' school, idiot. Yeah, we don't uh, like them either. Yeah. <laughs> what were they? The Warriors or something? Uh, they're the Spartans. The Spartans. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Man, it's been so long. You, you can see I'm I'm rusty. I, I'm like I'm I'm too uh, wrapped up. It's I the get guy now. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right but um no dude i i really appreciate you coming on i'm excited to to talk with you um dude before we get you know rolling into talking about your buck already this year that you've killed uh was it opening day 
Yeah, I never shot a deer in September before, so yeah, it's definitely a first. So I never shot one on opening day, so just a lot of luck going there. Yeah, so we'll we'll dive into that. But before we do, man, I guess other than you know knowing now a little bit for where you grew up and everything, give us a little background of who you are, where you're coming from, and uh, all that jazz. Well, I'm from East End, Pennsylvania. I want to give a quick shout out to East End, but uh, I hunt like the Bear Creek area, Blakesley area, and I'm a teacher out in Berwick. So, I mean, all the time from my ways back and forth, I'm always looking for deer, always looking for turkey out in fields and stuff. So, uh, I'm also a wrestling coach. Oh, nice. Yep. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I incorporate with wrestling, I try and put into hunting too. So. Dude, that's the one aspect of, I, you know, I think I've now that I've stepped away from coaching and I, I believe I did a, a little bit of a good job early on incorporating kind of my philosophies, trying to like the way I coached and, and the thought process and the grit and the resiliency. I, I do believe I brought that a little bit into my hunting journey, I guess you could say. But since I've stepped away from that, I've been able to really put that effort and that mindset, I guess, into my hunting especially this past year. And dude, it's been paying off already. I mean, for me, I've had two PA sits one the time we're recording this, this will air a couple weeks from now. So hopefully by then we'll, I'll have some good, good news to share by that, you know, predicting the future. But so far it's been really, really awesome and just exciting and real motivating and, and just more confidence in, in my abilities, I guess you can say. And, and I'm not second guessing myself like I used to in years past. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, to break that down. So I guess like what you just said about bringing your mentality and some of those traits and from coaching wrestling to what you're doing for hunting, what are those things that you're bringing into that? I mean, the mindset is the biggest one. And that's a, one of the biggest things I wanted to talk about And uh, we actually, our wrestlers took a mindset class last year. And then we took it again uh, two years ago is when we started it. And we had this guy, his name was Mindset Mike. And he was talking to the kids just because wrestling, I mean, sometimes like hunting too, like it sucks. You're sitting in the cold, you're miserable. Like wrestling practice is hard. It's long, it's terrible. But you put in all that work for those small little moments where everything pays off. Everything that you prepared for, like just sets off. And just the biggest thing with the mentality is just, not being negative Mm -hmm. because whether you're negative or positive, like it's contagious. So like I have a couple of buddies that go out and like, Oh man, this sucks. It's cold out. But (laughs) that's when the deer are going to be moving, you know, like, all right, finally it's cold out, you know, but you just got to be positive on those long sits. You just gotta be like, all right, if I just stay here a little bit longer, that buck's coming or that bear's coming, whatever it's going to be, you know? Yep. And that's a, you know, shout out to, Another PA resident, uh, Ryan Cornelius. I had him on the podcast a couple of years ago. Uh, I need to revisit with, with Ryan. He does some work with the guys from Bow Hunter Die, and actually, just he shot a, a buck. You know, you shot yours opening night. He shot his that Monday, the the second okay. day of the season, basically. And his video was aired by Bow Hunter Die. And what's crazy, Mark? I'm sure this it's happened to me. I wouldn't say it happened to me on with a deer it's happened to me like practice and making sure I'm, i could draw back in in specific shooting lanes and everything like that but he was drawn back on a his nine point buck that he shot and as he was drawn back the deer was moving and i think he was trying to move the camera a little bit and maybe yeah. re, reposition himself and as he was letting down boom the arrow goes off like the bow oh, went off man yeah but dude what was crazy the buck 
I don't know, did not hear it or just didn't not phase him for whatever reason. And the buck moseyed and I think gave himself a, gave Ryan a, a better shot opportunity and he's drilled it. I mean, drew back, calmed himself down, boom, and had a great shot. So, you know, a disaster, you know, at that point in time, you could be really shaken up and be all shaky and Not have really that rush shaky. dump. But kudos to Ryan, really, really awesome job on him uh, to collect himself. And kind of like what you just said, things at times could suck. But if you, at that time, he was mentally strong and, you know, fought through that. Has anything like that that you could think of happened to you before in the woods? I mean, I've, I've made some noises and stuff. I never had to do that to me before. Like, thank yeah. God. Cause that sounds like, I mean, I would just be like, Oh no, I probably actually even say, you know, yeah. but shout out to him for having like an arrow where he could reach it. Like, you know, just having everything ready in case that disaster does strike. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm with you though, for sure. Especially, you know, like I said, when this airs now, the really dog days of the rut will be airing and coming up and everything like that bears that, you know, we're getting down to the end of archery bear season is going to be kicking in gun season. will be rolling that at this point in time i remembered in the last couple of years man mentally i'd be drained and i would fight and fight and fight with you know seeing people having success and why am i not having success i'm out there putting time and at this point i feel really good a lot of shit a lot of shit could change by that point in time but totally. up in but up until this point Man, coming from where I was, I think, last year and what I brought into the spring, and I've talked about it before on the podcast, is, you know, being a little bit more positive, trusting myself, trusting my abilities, and going through things, it's really helped me. And I love hearing that other people like yourself, uh, what you're doing and, and doing the mindset things. And, you know, Ryan Glitzky was another one that is really big on, on trying to stay positive. And, you know, when as a coach, you know this. And I know at times it could be tough thinking like, okay, maybe you lost a match that day. Maybe uh, for me it was, it was football and, and baseball coaching. Maybe we lost a game, but what did you learn? Right. And that was a big thing over the last couple seasons that I don't think I really, I said I did, but I don't think I did. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't really, yeah. abs I did not absorb it. Uh, and I think that's a critical thing is to absorb maybe what did not go well and how can you improve on it? And what, yeah, what can you learn from what didn't go well? Like, okay, I, I came in and I spoke to Buck. I saw, I saw a nice Buck. I spooked him, but where did he go? Mm -hmm. You know, now I know where he feels comfortable. Like I'm learning stuff when I mess something up, you know? Yeah. A couple of years, you've been a little bit more consistent. So maybe again, let's, let's, before we dive into your Buck story, cause maybe some of this information will lead into, into that story. Uh, what over the last couple of years, with being more consistent, what do you think really contributed to that? to your overall success during this time frame, Well, I've, I've actually been pretty lucky because like I said, I, I'm a teacher, but yep. a couple of years ago I was teaching in the Wilkes-Barre area and I don't know if you know what's going on there, but they went from three high schools and now they went to one and they had a big cut, a big furlough and I got furloughed. I got fired mm -hmm. like not any fault of me, but just cause I was younger on the ladder, I got, I got knocked off and I was fired and people were like, Oh, that sucks. And I was like, well, I'm going hunting. <laughs> like, I got like six months where I could be on unemployment and I was like, well, now I'm getting paid to be in the woods. So I really spent some time like I used to just go into my stand, sit in my stand and then mm -hmm. come back out to the truck, you know, but now, you know, the deer go over that way. I should go over that way and explore over there and see where they're actually going or see where they're coming from. So when I really got some more time to spend in the woods, like I actually did take advantage of it. And I, I learned a lot about the area where I wanted to go, mm -hmm. you do, know, do that's been 
it's been critical in my success this last spring to this year thus far, but hearing those guys that are friggin' killers, right? Like the dudes that are constantly year after year, not necessarily, I don't want to say for sure filling tags because all years could change, right? I, I Ryan Glitzky is one that I think, think comes to mind because I highly respect Ryan. I think he does a phenomenal job of allowing teaching others, right? And that's obviously you're a teacher. I believe in that education piece. That's why I started this platform. He does a really good job of explaining things, helping people and being true and authentic with everything. And up into last year to 2022, I mean, I don't know what his streak was, but I'm damn sure it was pretty good between Pennsylvania, Iowa, and all the other places where he's been. And, you know, last year was a, it was a struggle for him and and I shouldn't say a struggle for him because I can't speak for Ryan, but I know he documented like, Oh man, it was tough, but man, I know going into this year, he learned a lot from last year. Right. And by being in the woods and that is the one thing that he really harped on and, and something that I took away from him is that aspect of getting in there and learning the way things work why the deer are moving in a specific spot in that terrain feature and how things just change right from piece to piece and literally learning that uh that specific spot and that's exactly what you were just saying and that is what i think could really help anyone that's trying to get better because i think that's just a small piece Uh, i think we all a good bit will might say well i know i need to do that but how many are actually doing that you know especially like you said, in the spring or the summertime, like you don't have much going on anyway. I know, especially after the first couple, like week or so of turkey hunting, like my spot is kind of busted. So I got to explore a little bit mm-hmm. and I'm exploring, but I'm really kind of looking for the deer trails and I'm looking to see if I could find scrapes. Like, even though they're not rutting, they're not ripping them up, but the scrapes are still there. So in the fall, if I go back and see that location, if that one's really ripped up, then then I know they're back there. Right. Or if it's, you know, if it's covered with leaves, then I could kind of, kind of count that area out. Maybe I'll go somewhere else. So, you know, there's somewhere else now. So, yeah, dude. So, so you really think getting out there, getting a chance to know the terrain, putting time in there, that's really what's led to that success. That, and a a big one that I would say is you got to prune your spot. Mm. Whether you're going to move your stand or even if it's just touching it up from year to year, you got to go. And it sucks. I know that's the worst. And like, when I go with my dad, we have those big pole pruners. Like I hate even getting them out I see him taking them out of the garage and put them in the truck. I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> but seriously, that makes a difference. Yeah, making sure. Now, here's a question I, to ask you because I know, like, just like you, when I go home and hunt Northeast PA, I'm hunting private. It's still big woods. It's still mountain, all that stuff. And, you know, nothing's really main, maintenance, maintained, basically, when it comes to food plots and anything like that. When when you cut or do a little bit of pruning, like you just said, do you, have you ever noticed – deer get a little bit finicky in an area in a spot like that uh maybe like at first but i always try and do it like i don't do it much during the season unless i see like a a problem where i gotta go and like that limb's gotta go that one's gotta go but what i've been finding out is when i prune a spot or if i put a lane in the deer use it yeah they're just as lazy as me going through and they're (laughs) not going to take a a hard path if i cut a path in or if i trim something up they're going to go on there and use it also yeah dude i remember when i was 12 13 i was still young middle school type and the guy the older guy that hunted with my dad i know on his side he basically made shooting lanes galore yeah i had a buddy like that and he since passed away but his still are still standing like the ones that he blazed they're still there yeah dude i i I wonder i wonder what it would be like 
if you could recall what his encounters were, because I know when this individual did it at, at our club and everything, it was like a ghost town. And my dad, ever since then, it has been very minute when it comes to opening up either a shooting lane or so, something along those lines. Like he's like as natural, which I agree with. I mean, you know, that's yeah. that's their their living space and everything like that. But I've also seen, like you said, if you trim a little bit, they're, you know, they're going to also be just as lazy as you are. Yeah, I'm sort of like a middleman there. I like to trim my way in so I can sneak in there. Yep. Like I'm not trying to make an easy pass so everybody can find where I'm at, but you know, when I do go in there, I'm trying to be silent and I'm mostly just trying, I, I had a really nice buck one time and my arrow just deflected off a limb. I didn't even see. And I was like, all right, I'm trimming all my spots. Like this isn't happening to me again. Yeah. Take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from Exodus outdoor gear. They have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures. Just head over to Exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door. You have two arrows to choose from, one being the MMT arrow, which is a 246 diameter shaft, and the new NIS, which is a 204 diameter shaft arrow. Use code AU to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at exodusoutdoorgear.com. So I want to go back to, to that. So remind me something with that, but you know, also remind me of Chris Wiest, another good friend of mine has been on the podcast a couple times already, straight dog, just a straight killer. He, um, he talked about this past summer when he was scouting, when he was going out and he figured put more pieces of the puzzle together and he actually like stalked on this buck you know, obviously it's just, it's summer. So you just wanted to see which way he was going and, and using that. And he was trying to see, okay, what direction would I take where I could get to this stand quietly, you know, uh, undetected with the wind, with the thermals. And I, you know, dude, that's like a whole other level, right? Like we Seriously, go, yeah. you know, like that's the one aspect I talked about on one other podcast where you know, how much detail, like I remember when I would be like, Oh my gosh, when you hear people say they do X amount of miles and for scouting and everything like that. And it got me thinking like how much of those, I don't know, 80 miles that someone might maybe put on during two months or whatever it be like, how much of those miles were you really dissecting something, right? Like, are you marking everything? Are you really stopping when you see a spot and gaining that knowledge of what you think actually the deer will be doing. And that's what Chris was doing at that point in time. And he said, man, I, he learned a lot and it was just fascinating to, to hear that, what he was doing to get better for this upcoming year, this year right now, because if he goes into that spot, he knows exactly where he's going. He knows exactly what the wind and thermals are going to be doing. He knows where he might be able to sneak down and crawl or wherever he needs to go. And he did that prior to the season. Yeah, I've done that before, and a couple of my spots, especially my rifle spots later in the season, are in the rhododendron. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you have much experience with going through the rhododendron, but if you go in there, you never want to go back in there again. <laughs> and I've gone in with a GPS and, like, have taken the deer trails and stuff, and you do learn a lot. You see, like, no wonder there's, like, a big watering hole in here. Like, they're obviously bedding up in here, but then when you get in there, like, all right, yeah, I learned enough. I'm never going back in there again, yeah. ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about uh, – this year's buck, you know, what led to, was there any history, you know, with, with this, with this deer, was there a specific game plan that led into it? Um, you know, I guess break down the, that story with this buck. 
Well, this one on this property, I had one tree stand this summer that needed some work. All right, and I took down a tree stand, then we put up a climber. So we had another place to go. You have to kind of climb up the sticks on the other one. You got to walk over the old one and then sit in the new one. But the new one is really comfortable. <laughs> so I, I, it's a bone collector stand. I was like kind of excited to hunt that one. And now last year and this year on this property, there's these big fields. And usually they're just grass fields. Like they, the farmer makes hay or something like that. But he's been planting corn and sorghum in there okay so i mean it looks like a dream like it, it, it looks awesome we have a couple tree stands on the edges of the field and i as soon as i saw he was playing corn i was like i'm hunting there like i'm definitely hunting there and uh me and my dad we made another tree stand and that's kind of like a big problem me and my dad have like he's a contractor and we have all these like leftover wood and stuff and every time he's like you want to make a stand I'm like damn all right yeah i guess we will <laughs> so we kind of have like too many stands for us to hunt up there but uh, so I have this like, this new spot, and then my dad kind of he kind of claimed sitting by the corn. So I was like, all right, well I'm just gonna go back to old reliable. And we I have this pine tree tree stand down there, and uh, it's not near the corn. So I was kind of like, damn, you know, I kind of want to sit by the corn, but whatever, I'll just go down here tonight. Right. And uh, the pine tree stand is perfect because I've never been busted in it. I've ha- I had a bear that kind of she kind of thought she knew I was there, but she never saw me. But I've never had a deer see me in there, and I guess it's. I don't know why or what it is, if it's all the limbs or how it is. And it was such a pain putting that tree stand up in the pine tree. But now looking back on it, it was so worth it. So I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go sit in the pine tree. So I go and I'm sitting in the pine tree. And as I'm sitting there and I don't know, one of the, one of the things I like to do is just sit and listen when I first get in there. Cause you kind of tell if stuff's going away or if the birds are going crazy, if the squirrels are barking, you can kind of tell what's around. But uh, as I'm sitting there, all I heard were acorns dropping like all over me. And I was like, oh, all right, this might be a pretty good spot. So it wasn't even, I probably wasn't even the stand for probably about 20 minutes. And two doe came walking up from the bottom of the hill. And they always come from the bottom up to the top because the corn's up top and all the covers up top and stuff. So I'm kind of like in that transition area. And when she was coming up, she stood and was uh picking up the acorns. I could see her picking up the acorns with her front teeth and then putting them like in the back of her mouth and popping them. And I was like, this is going to be a good spot for tonight. Cause she's just sitting here feasting. Like I'm sure all the other deer know that. Yeah. The, that's, that the, that's the feed tree. Right. So I was, you know, I was kind of ready and uh, I got in there super early on the first day. Usually I just kind of do an afternoon hunt, but I got in there at like probably 11 o'clock. I was just up and ready to go. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go sit for the rest of the day, whatever. I have nothing else to do. So I'm sitting there and it kind of got, it was starting to get long. And then finally the doe started coming up there. There's one coming up the hill, two coming up the hill. And I was like, all right, here we go. We're, we're starting to move. And then I started to get my phone out because I wanted to record the doe coming up. I was going to send a picture to my dad or something. And as soon as I pull my phone out of my pocket, I hear, and I look over to my left and I see, I could see the like horns coming. But I saw, I'm telling you, he was probably like like 200 yards off. And he, he was running the top of the ridge. And if usually when they're running the top of the ridge, they just continue to run the top of the ridge. And they cross about like 40 yards in front of me. Okay. So I was like, all right, I got to get the range finder out because I got to know like 40, 45 is a big difference. I got to know where he's at. So I start getting the range finder. And uh, I've, I've had this little I call him like he's he's a nice little buck he's like a seven pointer I've had him on camera almost almost every day okay and I kind of had it in my head don't shoot that one he, on the first day because I'm I used to be I've been getting a little bit better I used to be like 
if you got three on one side, like don't come near me because you're going down. Yeah, right. Like especially archery season, like I lo- I love shooting them with the bow rather than the gun, but don't come near me because you're 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 in the danger zone. But <laughs> I, I think that's the buck that's coming down. So I'm getting the rangefinder and I'm getting ready to to start shooting them. And I pick up the rangefinder and I he's he's getting close. He's getting like 80 yards away. Now he's like 70 yards. He's coming. As soon as he hit like 50 yards, he just turned like right at me. He's coming right at me. And that's when I got him in the rangefinder. And I'm looking and I'm looking on one side. I'm like, one, two, three, four, five. I'm like, that's not the seven pointer. That's, this is something that's not him. I'm like, oh, I better get ready. So I'm starting to get ready. Now I'm like, forget the rangefinder. Like, he's close enough. He's coming right at me. And he just stood. He was like 18 yards away from me, but facing, like, looking like, not at me, but right in my direction. Like I had no shot at him or anything like that. And then he did the same thing the doe was doing. He just started picking up the acorns. I could hear him popping them and I could see him like, like chewing on them and everything. I'm like, all right, like, don't look at him. Like, cause I don't know about you. Like I'm a pretty oh, yeah. good shooter when it comes in and I could just shoot real quick. Then I'm yep. kind of good. But when I'm standing there, look, and then I start shaking and everything. Yep. I'm like, all right, don't look at him. He's where you need to be. And then I'm looking at him and he's looking at the does. And every time he's looking at the does coming up the hill, he's looking like he's going to bolt. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I'm thinking, should I text my dad? And I was going to like get my phone. And I was like, no, yeah, like just you're, he's there. Just don't move. And you got him. Like all you got to do is wait for him to step. And I don't know. It seemed like 20 minutes. It's probably like five or six minutes. He's standing there eating them. And he finally just took a step to like, go look at those does to see where they were coming up the hill. And just, Right behind the shoulder, I I can't even believe it. Well, from the picture that Tom sent me, I, that's what I wanted to congratulate you on. It was one, obviously a great ten point, but two, the shot looked friggin' dynamite. Yeah, definitely, and I can't believe it because I was I was trying to tell myself like just calm down, just relax. Yeah, like like I was just shooting the like the, that morning. I was shooting before I went up. I was like, you could hit there, like that's no problem at all. Like if it was a forty yard shot, I'd be a little nervous, but he was like eighteen yards. I was like, yeah. no problem, no problem. And then when I shot him just everything felt right and the luminoc was stuck in the ground and everything. And he just moseyed away. He took like a little tiny hop maybe. And I'm thinking I missed <laughs> like, like I missed. So then I grabbed my phone out and I don't know if Tom sent you the video. No, not yet. I'll have to send you that one. Uh, but he started taking a, a couple shot or a couple steps and he's walking and I'm thinking, all right, re- start recording so I could take a note. Maybe I'll call my dad real quick and say it's cause I missed. Yeah. And then I just saw blood coming from his mouth and he just dropped like 18 yards away from me. So like, dude, that is wild. And he just walked 18 yards and dropped right there. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> dude, that's awesome. Did you have any history? Have we were, did you get him on camera at all over the summer or anything? No, uh, no, this one, not at all. Now there's wow. uh, my buddy hunts two farms over at my buddy Jose's house. Uh, he hunts over there and I think he had him on camera but he's not the best at sharing. So yeah. like I, I saw it, he shows you on the phone, but he won't send you the pictures. You know what I mean? He's one of those type of guys, but <laughs> I think he was over at the farm over, but on our side of the farm, we, I, I did not have him one time on camera at all. Wow. That's freaking nuts, man. Yeah. I mean, stud of a deer, pretty big body too, to him already. Yeah, definitely. I was, I was surprised how big he was. Cause I think he was kind of young. He kind of had a, a longer snout on him. I don't think he was like a crazy old buck, but he was pretty nice, especially yeah. for that area. Yeah. Man, that is wild. Now, let me ask you this: what kind of what kind of uh, bow sight are you running? Just because, like you said, you're you know a single pin, multi pin. What what's your go to? I have I have the multis. Okay, okay. 
Yeah, that's the one aspect I think, you know, we've talked about it and it's it's not anything new, but I think it is really critical. We talked to preseason, make sure you're, you're training, right? You're, you're practicing your shots. Like, where do you feel comfortable? I'm a big, I love shooting my bow. Like, that is one thing where... Uh, probably when we get done recording, I just need to go rip two, three shots because my last dude, my last two shots killed two deer. Right. (laughs) So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm fine. But you know, just keep working the process, man, and keep practicing. And that is the one aspect where even I'm a big proponent of, I, for me personally, I love the vertical single double pin. So, and I kind of, I've learned to practice. Where's my gap? right? If where I don't, where I do not need to move that dial. So even if it is a weird 27, where, where do I need to aim on that? If I don't have time to adjust my dial, right. To, to, to put that top pin on 27, then it's critical. And I'm sure you've probably practiced the same thing. Like you said, a 40 to a 45, that's a big difference, right? Where are you putting that bottom pin? Mm -hmm. Especially if he's looking or if he's not looking, you know, it makes a big difference. And one of the things I like doing, which is not practical for all my stands, but some of the ones, especially on this farm, because my dad just got one of those uh, mules, so it's a lot easier to get to them. I like taking the target out and actually going in the tree and shooting from the actual stand, which I can't do all the time. You know, usually I live in the city. I just shoot in the yard. and I'm lucky to get like sometimes like 30 yards as, as far as I could stretch it. But I just for confidence, it makes a big difference, like shooting in actual tree. Mm-hmm. Or like I also like to run it through my head like, all right, when the buck comes, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to turn this way and, you know, just walk yourself yeah. through everything. So when it happens, you almost don't even think it just kind of happens, you know? Yep. Yeah. My biggest thing with these two last deer that I've shot, it's been pick a spot, pick a spot. And just, you know, again, I, I don't know, like words really can't explain it. Like you just got to be confident. And that's the one aspect I really do believe Mark, where I've been lacklustering in the last couple of years is that confidence. And now I am confident, right? I, I've worked on the demons of target panic and all that shit and all, you know, the bad stuff. So now it's like, go out and, and have fun and, and let it fly. And that's the, that's the key thing, but also doing what you just said, practicing that is, you know, I, I'm obviously you, you still hunt from a, from a tree stand and it doesn't matter what you do, tree stand, saddle, ground, blind, whatever your hunting situation is, please practice it because, oh, and practice those bad, like the, the shots that you don't want to take. Right. Like for me, um, for, for the saddle, obviously the weak side shot, you know, turning like, and again, you do you, for whatever platform you're using, you know, the, a foot off the ground is all you need to do practice and, and, you know, m- get that muscle memory to do all that jazz and practice. Like for me, again, if I need to drop, kind of go around the tree, like practice that scenario just because man, the, the deer nine out of 10 times will not do what you really want them to do. Yeah. Dad. Oh no, they never do what you want. Except <laughs> that this is the one hunt where he did exactly what I wanted him to do. And I didn't even expect it, but most times you're exactly right. So now what, what's on the docket for you now that you tagged out opening day on a friggin' slu- you know, hammer of a, a, of a, of a buck. What, what's on the docket for you for the rest of the year? Well, I'm a little spoiled now. Cause like you said, you were hunting on Saturday and it did look really nice Saturday evening. I tried to go out, but you know, it was pouring in the morning. Even if I wasn't tagged out, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have gone out in the morning, but I'm still going to be out in the woods with my dad. I'm like, my goal now is to get my dad a buck mm-hmm. and he hunt like me and him switch stands and he hunts mine and I hunt his. So I'm still going to be out there like doe hunting, but 
I'm probably not going to shoot a doe, but when I'm out there now, now I'm starting to get geared up for bear. The number one sign that you're looking for when it comes to locating bear and maybe setting up on, on for a, a bear hunt, basically. Beach nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's an, I mean, I always find bear where there's beach nuts almost all the time, like acorns too, but beach nuts. Okay. I always go over to the spots where I find a bunch of beach nuts. That's good to know because what about scouting or anything along those lines as far as, you know, already planning for next year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, this is when I was hunting the farm and I like hunt, hunting the mountain bucks. I like getting up in the rhododendron. And uh, these next couple of weeks here are probably my like three or four favorite weekends to be in the woods. And now we have like a weird Friday the 13th coming up, like a day like that. I always like being in the woods. I don't know. I just feel like something's going to happen on those days, but I always try and be in the woods uh, that weekend, wherever's closest to Halloween. I mm-hmm. feel like that's the weekend to be in the woods. How come? What, what, what have you noticed the last couple of years with that? Last couple of years. And there's, I've only seen it maybe like four times like this weekend. And you, like, we were just talking about the rhododendron, like me and you cannot walk through that without making a ruckus, like we can't walk a straight line through, like it's impossible to get right. through. But the past couple of years, like right around this weekend, and I always try and find the does, especially for when the rut's coming up, but I, I'm hunting the rhododendron and those bucks come through there like a train. Yeah. Like when they're chasing a doe, it's unbelievable. And I see it every year. And I, I feel like that's like the coolest thing to see because it like, and me and my dad hunt this ridge. He's probably a couple hundred, a couple hundred yards, maybe three or 400 yards away. And a buck will run by me and then continue on and run all the way past him. So like they're, they just, it's just wild. It's just cool to see. Are you looking to improve your hunts? Well, look no further than using trophy tracks. A hunter's journal enables hunters to maintain a record of hunting information in real time or post hunt, including the date, time, location, and weather conditions. By using trophy tracks and integrating trail cam pictures, hunters can identify patterns in animal activity over time, helping them predict the best hunting opportunities utilizing trophy tracks hunters can keep an unlimited number of journal entries ranging from scouting trips to live hunt records preserving each of their hunting experiences and check it out over at trophytracks.com yeah i said last year that halloween-esque weekend i think it was like the 29th for me last year whatever that time frame was man that was my best day that that is a day in the woods that i'll never forget it's like one of that you just non-stop action happening yeah definitely I, I, I always try my best to uh, like not count a successful hunt as like killing something. So even just being in the woods and seeing yep. seeing that stuff, like even if I see a slammer that's bigger than the one I already shot, like that's still a good day in the woods. Oh, you know? oh hell yeah! And I want to ask you this too about that time frame. Do you think because of also being Northeast PA, all that jazz? Do you think that area it, it really like because my buddy like Jim Diagostino he he also loves that weekend because he's had a ton of success especially killing during that weekend and certain times around here the last couple of years if i hunted here in central pa it hasn't i it's almost like two different uh feels in the woods if that makes sense yeah definitely i think it's a, it's always a little different but for us up in northeast pa i definitely feel like halloween whichever like maybe the weekend before and definitely the weekend after that's when everything's popping up here yeah I think. yeah all right dude let's before we wrap things up and, and everything you know obviously we talked a little bit about bear we talked about your successful hunt on opening night and everything what you plan on doing for the rest of the year now 
you've hunted PA gun season now for a very long time. You know, what are, what are some lessons learned and, and things or what's your go, what's your take on, on the PA gun season? Like what's your, when you know you have a buck tag still in your hand, what's your strategy with it? Well, I, I don't know. The past couple of years I've been using the, the rifle season is just like cleanup season. Like that buck that I missed or didn't get a crack at, he's still there. And now he's going down because now I could shoot him out to 200 yards or whatever. Like now I have a real crack in him. But at the same time, so does the pumpkin army. So does <laughs> the 500 other people that are coming into my spot because there's it's empty there during, especially if it's a little cold during archery season, nobody's up there. But as soon as it's rifle season, it's like being at Walmart at like, 7 30 on a friday night you know it's yep. just crazy yeah yeah that's the that's the one piece now are you moving around a lot are you uh not necessarily doing drives but are you on your feet or are you hanging out up in the stand Do you give it a time and then begin to walk around just uh what what's kind of your philosophy with that for rifle season now yeah rifle season i'm in the tree from like four in the morning until like five fifteen at night i try and stay up there as long as i possibly can which i don't know if that's the best strategy but I don't know. I just don't like getting down for lunch. Usually people get down for lunch and then they kick stuff into me or whatever. I just do my best to stay in the tree no matter what, yeah. which for rifle season, I really don't need much in my pack. I only need a couple things, maybe a hand warmer, maybe my phone charger. But then after that, it's just a couple things to keep me entertained during that midday lull where stuff's not really going on, but I'm not getting down. Yeah. That's the one of growing up, man. I was at my dad's like, I'm dropping you off here. I'm not picking you up. And you're not leaving until it's dark, <laughs> right? And don't, and don't move because somebody else is over the hill too. So don't, don't get shot either. Yeah, exactly. So that was like, that was the one aspect. And man, I, I don't know what I, the last two years when I was back at home, Northeast PA during hunting, uh, during the gun season, I would sit the morning and I would sit to a certain time and maybe something were to happen. Like my dad last year, he he took a shot at a buck, and I was like, I went down to help him out a little bit, like that type of stuff. So obviously, I'm on my feet, and then I would kind of like mosey around a little bit, try to to move because up there, there's it's not what it used to be when I was a kid, right? There were a lot more hunters up there. People would move, be moving around a lot more, and I would sit in that homemade stand, and I would see thirty plus deer a day, right? And it was yeah. glorious. Now it's not so much like that. And I just, you know, at that point in time, the deer, I don't know if they're just, bit, they've been pressured a little bit, obviously from like myself, my dad, and just other people up around there, maybe a little bit, but it's not like crazy that I don't necessarily think they're moving around as much. Like, I don't think the numbers yeah. of people are bumping them. So it's almost like my strategy the last two years has been you know, move around, try to still hunt the best I can, but I'm not good at it. I mean, I'll be completely honest. Like I'm still looking at sign. I'm looking at the ground. I need to improve upon that. So I think if I do have to hunt during that time frame again for a buck, I might do the, the old waiting game a little bit more so and try to find, you know, do a little bit of, of pre-scouting and try to find that best opportunity that, that will put me into it. Again, if I have to hunt with the gun this year, I'll be up in the tree sitting a little bit longer and, and uh, hopefully put myself in a good spot. Yeah, definitely. I tried the the stocking thing in rifle season two, and it's it's hard. Mm -hmm. they, they know you're coming. You you're a lot. I mean, I think I'm quiet going through, but they know I'm coming through. You know. Oh man, dude, I appreciate you coming on, telling some stories, talking some strategies, and everything else. And really appreciate you taking the time and, and chatting tonight. 
Hey, no problem. I hope to talk to you sooner than later because I think I'm going to dust one with the muzzle loader this weekend. I think, so. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Well, dude, where can people maybe follow along or after listening to the podcast and see what you're about? Yeah, I don't know. I don't really do much on social media. I'm kind of quiet on there. So good for you. Trying to keep it low key. That's awesome, man. Good for you. The Berwick wrestling team when we win districts this year. I don't know. There you go. I like it, man. I appreciate you, dude. Dude, I hope. uh, Thank you very much. Uh, Shout out to Nurse Tom for helping me get on here too. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Nurse Tom, I love it, man. (laughs) Yeah, I always slip up with that. I I try and call him Tom, but when we was in college, there was a couple times around he was the only one that was a nurse. So Nurse Tom always stuck with me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I appreciate it, dude. All right, man. Well, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Antler up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Antler Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please go check us out on our Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Go Wild and at antlerupoutdoors.com. If you enjoyed this episode, go leave a review and subscribe for next week's episode. Until then, Antler Up.